You know, many of you know that I, I was born and raised Roman Catholic, and my early mentors were Franciscan sisters, who in many respects did a very, very commendable job helping shape my early life of faith and demanding that I get good at reading, writing, and arithmetic. And for such things, I'm deeply indebted and grateful. The good sisters, however, had some flaws. Of course, don't we all, right? Don't we all? They were good at helping us feel guilty about, well, just about everything. <laughs> they seemed to know that guilt produces worry, and it's almost like they were graded on how much worry and guilt that they could get into little kids' bodies. Like, it's like they got a new habit if they, if, if they did it well. So even the calmest of us found ourselves beside ourselves, worrying about things like eternal damnation, <laughs> purgatory, mortal sins versus venial sins, what happened to little boys and girls who weren't attentive at Mass, who didn't go to confession weekly, <laughs> who hung out with Protestants. <laughs> and the thing is, is I bought it. I mean, I did. I, I just bought it, hook, line, and sinker. And I had a predisposition to worry, I think. But boy, oh boy, uh, the sisters made sure we all felt enough guilt that it was a constant, worry was a constant companion. And now, even after all these years, I'm capable of being a world-class warrior. And so are some of you, I bet, right? So are some of you. And some of you because I, I, I've talked to people about you, you've even taken it a step further. You've passed the gene on to your children, <laughs> to your spouse if you're married, your grandkids. Some of you might even have pets that have watched you worry long enough that they've gotten a bit neurotic, right? How many, right? <laughs> I kid around sometimes uh, and say, uh, of course I worry. Worry works. And it's true. Worry works. Because most of the things I worry about never happen. <laughs> Think about that. It'll make sense at 3 o'clock. And you'll go, wow, that was brilliant. I should have written that down. Now, the kind of worry we're talking about in this series is the kind that produces an unhealthy obsession about things that perhaps we have very little control over things we should be attentive to, probably attentive to and concerned about, because attentiveness and concern help us to be good stewards of our own life. But what we do is we take that concern and we blow it totally out of proportion and it becomes toxic. Let me, get, let me ask you a question. Have you ever gotten a letter from the IRS? I, I did, and it basically said this, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, it says, hey, Mike, come on in for a, a little talk, and if you don't mind, would you bring all your financial records from the time you were born? <laughs> now, anyone who gets one of these letters should be a little concerned, but I turned my concern into worry. I started making things up in my head. Did you ever do that? That's what worry does. I was wondering if they'd send me right to jail or would I be granted a trial? I'd wondered if I'd ever see my kids again, wondering if my cellmate in prison, a man I named Bubba, uh, would be a nice person interested in reading the great books with me. Or would the IRS let me off the hook 
of jail and just fine me. And then I started to worry, well, how much would the fine be? Would we be able to eat? Now, the truth is, I'm really honest when it comes to taxes. You know, I, I, I just am, That's, which is probably good if you're a minister, right? <laughs> but I am. Uh, it's kind of crazy. So instead of seeing this letter for what it was, a bit of a nuisance and a piece of bad luck, I just totally blew it out of proportion. I was a nervous wreck, actually. I was living in California at the time. I had to drive to Fresno where I met the agent assigned to my case. I love that, my case. She was very nice, really, but she, she said I was asked to come in because I had claimed a fair amount of miles as a business expense. I was in youth ministry at the time. She said, it just looks fishy. You never, you know, you never want an IRS agent to say, this looks fishy. And, and she, said, she said, do you have a record for these miles? And I said, well, here, let me, no, but, but here's why. We just moved from Minnesota to California, and, and in all honesty, we, we, we lost some things, which is the equivalent of saying, uh, no, I don't have my home, homework, the dog ate it, right? And she said, okay, talk to me about this. Uh, why, why so many miles? And there was about 15, 20,000 miles. She, and I, I said, well, here's the deal. I, I work with kids. She says, how many kids do you work with? I said, well, I have about 300 in my youth ministry. And this was at a time when there was not all these protection policies. You could give kids rides wherever you wanted to. And I said, I just give kids rides here, there, and everywhere, to camps, all over the place. And she just looked at me, and she says, Lordy, <laughs> Lordy. She says, I have one child. <laughs> and I almost put out that kind of miles on my car just chasing him around all over the place. And she said, here's what we're going to do. She said, you're going to take this paper. She gave me a blank piece of paper. She says, you're going to go over in that corner, and you're just going to give me something that explains the miles. And she said, just make it look right and good. You look, you're an honest guy. I can tell that. And, and then I'm going to look at it, and I'm going to mark it as being sufficient and have you leave here. And I said, I looked at myself in my head and I said, oh, this is a blessing. What a blessing this is. And I'm sure it worked out like that because I had worried so well. (laughs) What do you think? Nah. You know your concern is morphed into worry when you discover yourself making things up in your head and then catastrophizing them. And you know what that kind of worry does? Corey Tenboom said it well. He says, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. And I'd add, it empties our day of its joy. Because our worry is always, you know, it's focused on things in the future, author Amy Simpson cautions us by saying, The Bible makes clear that the future is not our domain. We have no claim on it no right to it. We don't have knowledge of it or assurance that it will ever arrive. The future only belongs to God. Would you say that with me? The future only belongs to God. But that same God is so good, so beautiful, and he has greater gifts in store for us than we can ever imagine. Our unknowable future is bright. The future belongs to who? 
future belongs to who? God. So what happens is worry robs the present moment of its strength and joy. And worrying about the future has us stepping into territory that is reserved for God. And why would we ever settle for that? Worry keeps us from seeing God's big picture for us. It takes, us, it takes our eyes off the prize. So how do we conquer the worry monster? First thing I'd suggest is this. We need to anchor ourselves in the promise and hope of the Word of God. I read a story a while back about a family whose son had an incurable disease. Someone remarked that they seemed to be dealing with this calmly and without complaint. And the father of the boy responded by saying, well, it seems to be that we have three choices. One, we can curse life and what it does to us at times and look for some way to express our rage. Or we can grit our teeth, worry like crazy, and merely endure. Or we can still accept our life as still a gift, a gift somehow from God. And he says that first alternative is useless. The second, the worry thing, is just exhausting. And the third enables us to go on truly living. That's what I want, and I believe that's what you want, too. A deep trust that God is in control. I don't know about you. Yeah, I do. I know most, a lot of you real well. You want real life, don't you? You just don't want, just don't want fake, you know? You don't want the kind of life that worry produces. But oftentimes we fall into that trap, and we let the worry monster take over. I have, uh, like many of you, a life verse that speaks deeply to me. It anchors me in an eternal principle and promise. It's a verse that I go to because it helps me find true north again when worry knocks me off course. And mine is taken from the first chapter of Ephesians as translated by the Englishman, J.B. Phillips. It is through the Son at the cost of his own blood that we are redeemed, freely forgiven through that full and generous grace which has overflowed into our lives and opened our eyes to the truth. And this is why I latch on to this next part. For God, for God has allowed us to know the secret of his plan. And it is this. He purposes in his sovereign will that all human history shall be consummated in Christ, that everything that exists in heaven or earth shall find its perfection and fulfillment in him. Amen? Say it with me. I'm to find, I'm to find my perfection and fulfillment in Christ Jesus. No one else. Nothing else. That's my true north. Whenever worry hits, I can go to Ephesians 1 and meditate on, some, meditate on it. It's true, it's noble, it's right, it's pure, lovely, and admirable. I think that's from the book of Philippians, isn't it? Because <laughs> here's what happens, though. Worry distracts me. Worry sometimes displaces my desire for Christ, and then it becomes my most horrible enemy. 
Instead of Christ, I find myself trying to find fulfillment in an unhealthy preoccupation with myself and the issues in front of me. That's what worry does. That's what it is. It's an unhealthy preoccupation with self. And that's dangerous territory. For in that preoccupation, I never find fulfillment. Scripture is clear. That's not God's plan. Nope, it isn't. Scripture tells us that we shouldn't worry, that God's got all the bases covered. We're told by Jesus himself, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This last couple weeks have been really crazy for me. I mean, really crazy. I, I, I had a lot to do. I, uh, it, it, things that I love to do. I got to wake up every day looking forward to the day, but just a lot of preparation. Everything from doing a motivational talk to eighth graders <laughs> at my daughter's school to teaching homeless guys and helping to facilitate a retreat for some men that some of you guys were at, which was really, really good. But I just felt all this weight on my shoulders. And I was home one day this week, and I felt the weight, and I knew I just had to keep writing and writing and thinking, and I just opened up the scriptures. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Another go-to piece for me. Psalm 23. And I read it. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, and I, and I paused there when I read that, and I went, that's what worry is. Worry is a dark valley that I create. <laughs> right? And God says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I stayed with this verse for about 20 minutes. I must have read it out loud 20 times, just claiming the promises, tried to anchor it, because I was feeling some anxiety, you know, I, I was feeling some things welling up inside of me that I was worried I was going to worry. <laughs> What I know is that the enemy of our souls knows what is ultimately most important to us. And so he messes with all those things. But what we are going to wear, how we look, whether we have enough, especially compared to someone else. And as, and as often as the enemy can keep us preoccupied with worrying about such things, then there's not much chance we will be interested in really seeking the kingdom of God, the righteousness of the Father, or the protection of the Good Shepherd. The enemy knows full well that worry does indeed work for his purposes. <laughs> he loves it when we worry. And if we start believing that worry works, we become functional atheists because when we believe that lie that worry works, 
we aren't trusting God. And what we're left with is the insecurity that worry produces. And when worry hits, and it does and will, I remind myself that worry will never help me find my perfection and fulfillment in Jesus. A few of you know that a few years ago I had a heart attack. And uh, a scary moment. It turned out to be good in, in many respects. But I didn't know that at the time. I was laying on a bed in the emergency room at the hospital and uh, I was scared, wondering if this was my last hurrah. And so I did what anybody else would do in that instant, and I asked Anita to take out a notebook and pen, and, and I said this to her, do you have all our passcodes? <laughs> I did. When you're scared, you sometimes just like to do something, right? And I. I needed to deal with the crazy details of life. And I said, she's got to have all the passcodes. If she doesn't, what's she going to do? What's she going to do? What's she going to do? But something far greater happened that night. Because uh, my, my tendency is to come to the Lord. And I really did talk to the Lord <laughs> deeply and strongly. And I asked him, is this it, Lord? And as I laid there, I had a deep sense of peace. Just a sense that the Lord who had guided me thus far was going to keep guiding me to whatever was next. And if this was the final leg of this journey, he was going to take me into the next. And I was deeply comforted. And the reason I think I was deeply comforted is because I was living into the secret of his plan. Claiming the promises, clinging to hope, no worries, none. You know, I find that a daily intake of the Word of God and a reliance on the promises and hopefulness of the Scriptures helps me considerably when worry threatens to take over. Be students of the Word. Love the Word of God. Plant it firmly in your heart. The second thing I think uh, I've learned about worry is that when I find myself heading that direction, I need to tell someone. I'm starting to be more and more honest about my life, certainly with Anita. Uh, I have no choice because she asks me so many questions she asks a lot of questions. You know, my wife, you know, is a radio talk show host. Do you know that? She never runs out of questions. Never, never. Sometimes I have to stop. I say, stop, stop, stop. I have no more answers. <laughs> then she say, why is that? And then I go, oh, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> but I'm also honest with the guys in a small group here at this church that I'm part of, or getting more honest with minister friends from the city who have been my spiritual companions for a number of years. And so when I'm facing something that's hard, that's got me worried, I tell those folks about it. And they do ask me questions, and they pray for me. And they offer advice. In their own way, they help me carry the burden I'm under. Sometimes what I'm able to do is hitchhike off their faith when mine is weak. And sometimes we've got to do that, right? 
Sometimes when things overwhelm us, we're just kind of, oh, what am I going to do? And then somebody comes along whose faith is just so strong at the moment, and I just get to grab onto them. You know, it's said confession is good for the soul. I believe it. I find when I verbalize the worry and put it out there, you know, sometimes it's not as big as I think it is. I never, try never to share my anxious moments with people who are going to try to fix me or minimize my concerns or, for that matter, make my worry grow. I'm always on the lookout for people who will listen, empathize, and lovingly challenge my thinking. That's the kind of person I want to be for others, and those are the kind of people I look for. Who's in your life? It was fun with this men's retreat. The guys that were there, man, it was, it was a great gathering. We had, almost, we had almost 100 guys. And they were saying, we need other men in our life that will speak the truth to us. And I went, yes, 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 yes. And they were surprisingly chatty. <laughs> All these guys, they were chatty. And they, they felt safe enough to start sharing some stuff and realize that they weren't alone. I anchor myself in the promises of God. I tell someone, and then the last thing I do is I put my life into motion. Worry paralyzes us sometimes. I remember years ago, I had to let somebody go from a position in a ministry I ran, and it was a difficult decision. And as soon as I did it, there were repercussions. And worry just consumed me. I had a hard time functioning for a few days. I was just kind of laying around. I didn't know what to do. Asking myself the questions. Had I made the right decision? Had I done wrong to this person? Were financial supporters of this ministry going to back off? And what got me out of that place of worry was this one thing. I honored a commitment. I had made a promise to a group of high school students to open a gym for an open gym. In all honesty, I didn't want to go. This, this was a group of guys I just didn't want to face because I was in such a deep funk, you know. They were hard guys to work with. There were two or three gangs represented. Uh, it, sometimes it was hard to control them. I mean, it was just... It was an odd thing, but I learned a long time ago that a good life principle is to honor the promises you make, and I had made a promise. And so I got out of my bed and out of my house and onto the basketball court. I was putting my life back into motion by honoring that commitment, and in the middle of the evening, I realized that I wasn't obsessed with my worry anymore. I wasn't. You know, there's something about serving others that makes worries fade. Now, it didn't make all my troubles go away, right? I still had to face some things. I had to have some meetings with people. But I, I learned that when I do something in the name of Christ, in the way he would want me to do it, that's one of the keys, for me at least, and maybe for, I think it would be for a lot of you too, it says helping chase worry away. A life in motion serving Christ motivates us. Worry paralyzes us. I was glad I had that appointment. Sometimes when people come to me and worry as a stranglehold on their life, I ask them questions. 
where are you with God? Are you anchored in the promises? Do you have anybody in your life? And oftentimes they don't. That's why they're there to see me. I urge them to find somebody that they can, or a group of somebodies that will really care for them. But oftentimes I ask them, are you doing something that gets you out of the house, out of the house, that you look at your calendar and say, wow, this is something I promised to do, no matter what it is. We have volunteers that come down to the city to work at the homeless shelter that I work with. And almost every day you hear somebody say, I came down here with a boatload of issues. And after just serving for the day and interacting with these men and these women, all of a sudden it puts my life in perspective. A selfish life keeps us preoccupied. When we start to give it away, then we begin to see the world in a different way. Well, that, those are my keys. Stand on the promises of God. <laughs> Tell people. Service. I don't think I can make a book out of that. But here's what I know. And you'll, you'll understand this. We are all building a legacy. We are all building a legacy, aren't we? I don't want my legacy to be that Mike is a warrior. <laughs> you know? That he can't, can't get it together. But I do want my legacy to be one. That people can say Mike is a man of God. He's involved with others. He gives his life away in service to others. So try it. Maybe just grab onto one of those things, whatever it is. Maybe just find that verse that anchors your life and hope and promises. Cling to it when rough times come, because rough times are going to come, right? Maybe even on the right way home. <laughs> but God is good all the time. God is good. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to be here. That we brave the storm. <laughs> and Lord, there are storms in our life and they're oftentimes caused by our worry. Help us, Lord, to trust you, believing that you can put things in perspective. Help us to be people that will share our lives with others and be open to others sharing their lives with us. And Lord, show us how best to be of service to you. Pray this in your name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.